Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. G'day, you got a room? A room? Yeah, there's a note in the milk bar window. Yes. Well, uh, can I see it? Yes. I've got some questions. One. Do you have any references? References? Two. Are you a neat and tidy person who makes his stroke her own bed and washes the dishes? Hey. Three. Are you a good cook? Oh, listen, I just want a room. Four. $35 per week. Well, I haven't even seen the joint yet. What? Well, I'm not going to take it till I've seen it. Good evening and welcome to television. G'day! Hello! Hello! Hey! hey. Whoa. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting. And welcome to Fred Watch. Where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. We most certainly do, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching The Nanny. Oh, classic. Classic. So we used to watch The Nanny back in the day. Yes. Um, bits and pieces. But Kirsten is a huge fan. You're a lovely partner, Kirsten. lovely partner, Kirsten. Yes. And so she's been sort of introducing it to me on a more consistent basis. <laughs> so is she reintroducing it to you or is she forcing it down your throat? No, I'll say reintroducing it. It's <laughs> yes. a fair call, but no. Yes. Uh, um, and so we've just recently watched season five, yeah. which is the uh, where they finally get the will they, won't they? Oh, right. And then I think, believe it, season six is the last season, which is the they did they, they, and they do. They draw out the will they, won't oh, they? Really so, well with, with the nanny, I have to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when... It first came to Stan, I think it's on subscription. Yes, that's where we're Yeah, um, I revisited it and just absolutely binged it and just fell in love with it all over again and just thought it was the most hilarious thing. I can see it's endurance and quality. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a really good choice for a binge fest, Phil. Yes. And points to you, Kirsten, <laughs> for reacquainting Philip with the nanny, with the incredibly beautiful Fran Drescher <laughs> and very talented Fran Drescher very nice, behind it. Family. Yeah. And how about yourself, Wayne? Well, I've also quickly binge-watched a TV series. It was only a four-parter, and that was the Ted Bundy tapes, the <clears> Netflix <throat> series, Conversations with the Killer. And it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. I love true crime. And Ted Bundy is one of the more interesting serial killers Talk about somebody else who has enduring appeal <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But I think if you are fascinated by how the criminal mind works, the personalities, the tactics, the psychology of it, this series does it really well without being gratuitous. Because yeah. when you've got somebody who has a lot of murders under his belt, which unfortunately mm. Bundy does, you can easily go down a path of, ooh, let's talk about all the gory details and so forth. Yeah. The series is not like that at ah, all. Good, good. Yeah, so I have to say I found it quite engrossing, riveting, and actually scary because human beings are human beings. Most certainly. Yeah. Anyway, what are we reviewing today? Well, Philip, today we're reviewing the cult classic comedy, Malcolm. Please explain. Having been fired from his job at Melbourne's Metropolitan Transit Authority and without a source of income, innovative tram enthusiast Malcolm Colin Friels takes on a border ex-con Frank John Hargraves. When Frank's girlfriend Judith, Lindy Davies, moves in shortly afterwards, it isn't long until the three plan a robbery using Malcolm's innovative talents. Written by David Parker and directed by wife Nadia Tass, Malcolm was a critical and box office hit upon release. It marked the feature film directorial debut of Tass, and the split car gag is synonymous with iconic moments in Australian cinema. So, Philip, did your side split for Malcolm? <laughs> um, I must admit, I was watching it with a little bit of trepidation, mm. because I know what Australian cinema and indie film, as it were, can do when left unchecked. <laughs> And I mean that because this uh, this film um, deals with some uh, very interesting topics for the day. Yeah. And not realising at first, I must admit, I didn't realise at first it was a comedy mm. as much as I thought maybe it was one of the sort of Australian dramas which do rely heavily on comedy. Yeah. But can still end very, very sadly. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so I did watch this with a bit of trepidation. I did tell Wayne at some point that he may be murdered if <laughs> it ended uh, very sad because you do you fall in love with Malcolm. He is a beautiful human being. Oh, isn't it he? is so beautiful. Yeah. With with that, there is the slight elephant in the room, and I, I like how you've described uh, the synopsis because Malcolm actually has autism or Asperger's or something along those lines. He's on the spectrum without it ever being acknowledged. Without it ever being acknowledged, which is why I love how you've done the uh, thing. Because whilst he is afflicted by this, as it were, Hmm. at no point does it become... Is it made such a deal of that it's, you know, oh, this is a problem. This is is the story we're telling. It's this tale of an autistic kid who... It's essentially, as, as you've sort of said... A tale of someone that happens to have autism. Yeah. Who goes on this crime spree adventure. And it is a slow-burning adventure. It's so good, Isn't it? Mm. It's one of those things that I was thinking about when I was watching this film again. And I'd seen it a few years ago. And before then, it had been quite a while. But Malcolm was a film that my brother and I would watch at nauseam as children. (laughs) And you might argue, well, it's not really a film for children, but the appeal of Malcolm as Mm. a character, the way Colin Friels depicts this beautiful, beautiful spirit is childlike. So if you're quite young, you can connect because you just think that Malcolm is funny. Mm. He plays it straight clearly, but you just think, oh, Malcolm, the character is funny. Mm. The film has gags, all of these different things. It's a beautiful dark sense of humor as well. Most certainly. But you're right, Philip. The film is quite triumphant in the fact that it is not about any disability or any behavioral development, anything like this, that affects Malcolm Mm. on a day-to-day basis. It is a factor, Well, because it needs to be. And again, there is nothing wrong with that. But it's a factor that doesn't really impact him. Yes, is he socially awkward? Well, yeah, I love that when Malcolm Mm. is walking down the street, if there's somebody in front of him, if there's a dog in front of him, he walks around them. He doesn't want to brush past them. He will cross the road, for example, Mm. or take a bit of a longer way around. Mm. I like the way that, especially at the beginning of the film, Malcolm never looks at people who, who who are speaking to him. Yeah. We notice that it really isn't until probably, what, the last 15 minutes mm-hmm. that when Malcolm is sitting at the dinner table, it's eyes up, looking up. The body yeah. language is yeah. different. He's more comfortable. He's coming into his own. Mm. I'd also like to say on that, mm. and almost adversely to what you just said, but still rings true within it, yeah. is that he doesn't actually have character growth in the larger scale of things. Yeah. Like, um, and I am suppose I'm comparing to maybe what someone would have done with this, this day and age. Yeah. This day and age, it would have been a tale about how, you know, never to underestimate people with disabilities or, mm. or, or, you know, it, it would have been about his disability and how he can triumph and overcome his disability, even though, you know, he, he goes down a, <laughs> a life of crime. It, it, it still would have been, a, that would have been this overarching message and story, which even for the era, I'm very surprised it didn't because it came out in 1986, which for me is a time where, you're getting all these movies trying to cope and deal with ever-changing environments. You're, tr- you're getting mm. movies that are trying to deal with, uh, you know, different races living together. You've got yeah. uh, about movies about uh, homosexuality. Mm-hmm. You've got movies about, you know, there are other movies in similar era bracket about uh, disability. About the other. About the other. If you That's want. perfect. Yeah. That's the perfect thing. And they all try to have this moralistic, you know... Uh, uh, meaning and, and message behind it. Whereas this is just like, hey, he just happens to have. Yeah. At, which is stuff you're actually seeing a lot of now. Do you know why I think that might be the case? It is because the filmmaker wants to depict Malcolm as normal. Yes. Now, that's, you know, a, a word in quotation marks. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And Philip, you and I discussed this a lot when we reviewed The Black Balloon yes. a few episodes ago because there is an emphasis on the character there about is he normal, what is normal. Yes. That discussion does not happen, happen here. Yet. We have hints that Malcolm is not perceived 
as yes. normal. You know, his supervisor, Bud Tingwell, is like, I'm getting people who are 100%, you know, in the head. Frank will mm-hmm. call, uh, yeah, refers to Malcolm as a moron or as a mm-hmm. dimwit, mm-hmm. things like that. But you feel like that these are still sort of language that you could apply to other people who might annoy you mm. or who have a level of innocence or naivety mm. to them. I feel like that Nadia Tassin directing this was really careful in how to present Malcolm mm. and her partner in how he wrote it because Nadia's brother in real life was on the spectrum. So she firsthand experienced somebody who was on the spectrum. Yeah. So for her, of course Malcolm's normal. Yeah. Her brother exactly. was normal. Exactly. So why would I present him any other way? Mm. I don't feel sorry for Malcolm. Don't pity him. Mm. He doesn't mm. need it. Yeah. He's a functioning human being. He functions in his own way. But he does it. Yeah. And I find it interesting, just going back on your statement, that you know there isn't like a character development or growth. I feel like with Malcolm there probably is, but it's skewed. Exactly. Because that's, you're that's right. That's more what I meant. Yes, yeah, yes. it's skewed because he does develop and grow. He goes outside. He's more confident yeah. with all of these things. He's excited by these things. He travels overseas yeah. and he's in unfamiliar areas because he's got these two friends now. But... And yes, and mm. I agree fully with that because that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. There's these elements where in a quote-unquote normal movie, how this may have been done elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Where, for example, he he uh, goes out on this date with a girl. and <laughs> Poor her, Jenny. And <laughs> chews her head off about stuff. And then later, <laughs> Judith talks to him about the birds and the bees, essentially. Yeah. Which, again, I think is in, in that sort of lower class sort of way, maybe more detrimental than anything else. <laughs> but the point is that he, in a normal movie, he then would have gone on that date again and done better. Yes. Or tried to do differently or had his little notepad to read out the, the, what the do's and don'ts and what he's meant to do. They would have made that as his growth, whereas that's essentially ignored from then on out. Yeah. Because he doesn't need that. No. And the the, the writer-director, they both know this. Yeah. The film is not about Malcolm finding a girlfriend. Exactly. And how beautiful, though, is it? I just found it so beautiful and amusing, and I'm glad you brought it up, is throughout the whole date, Malcolm does not shut up about the history of Melbourne trams. It is beautiful because while Malcolm talks throughout the film, there are short, sharp sentences. If he's giving a response, it's usually yes, a very blunt yes or a response. There's nothing you would say is really conversational unless he brings it up. Yes. But going on a double date... He wants to perhaps impress Jenny because she's a beautiful mm. young lady. So I'm going to show her and tell her everything I'm excited about. Exactly. And he totally kind of ignores whatever she's telling him or doesn't really register. It is beautiful. I found it so lovely seeing him it's... so excited yes. about talking about something he's passionate about. And there is no doubt he's passionate about yes, trams. We begin the film with him having pieced together his own little tram, going on a joyride across the city, (laughs) getting fired for it. We see his house. There's model trams everywhere. Tracks are laid out for different contraptions. It is beautiful. I said it's almost... I said while watching it, it's almost like Wallace and Gromit in the real world. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But but that's it, exactly. And you said, you know, this isn't him... about him finding a, a date or a girlfriend. No. It is, this is actually him growing within his own world yes. and finding his own place yes. within this world. Now, it happens to be a life of crime. But, <laughs> but, even but no one's perfect. <laughs> but the movie doesn't even try to acknowledge or, or say that this is inherently wrong. No, it's not a moral story. It's not a moral no. story. It's a story about everyone's got their thing everyone is he's passionate about this stuff and the guy is smart yes immature sure Hmm. but very intelligent and i wonder if the commentary therein is if we value Mm. people like malcolm Mm. as a society if we stop seeing them as perhaps a burden or a nuisance or someone to look down to or look pettiful to and actually just include them, magic happens. And that is what Frank embodies. Yes. Because whilst Judith 
is mothering and caring. Yes. She represents the safety barrier. Yes. She represents the, okay, um, the rest of society doesn't get this person. I get him enough to be able to say, look, everyone else, stop. Yes. This is the safety barrier that people need. And to be honest, I think everyone needs that in one form or another. Oh, I think we need all I the... I think for most people it's home in front of the TV. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> no, you're right. I think we all need, you're right, these safety barriers, these safety nets, but it's all about community. That's it. If we're looking at it as gender perspective, though, mm. you're right, the women in yes. this film. So we have Judith, his mm. housemate. Mm-hmm. We have Jenny, the neighbour who finds Malcolm attractive. Mm. Probably not all that interesting, having been on a date with him. And we've got Mrs. T, who is the springboard for bringing Frank and Judith into his life. Mrs. T, at first, you don't know how she feels about Malcolm because she is very short and sharp. Mm. But it is this tough love. Yeah, that's it. Because it's so gorgeous that when Frank Mm. has his first night in Malcolm's house, she's popping her head through the window, making sure that Malcolm is, you know, looking after him and all of these different things. There's a lot of love and care. And Malcolm doesn't feel it. That is perhaps a symptom of his condition. Yes. But it is there. And you're right. He feels safe in that community. Yes. The women in his community make him feel, I think, a lot more safe and cared for. Mm. The men in his community, Frank specifically, Mm. are the ones who I think push him. Yes. Who are going to say, I'm not going to pander to you. Yes. But it's not even that, I don't think. Frank represents, I feel, Mm. the wider community if they, like you just said... Stopped and looked. Yes, absolutely. He because he hates this guy at first. He's like, oh, this guy's shocking. He doesn't get him. He does not get him. But after a bit, he starts to look at. And yes, he looks at it from his own world view. Yes, but he still looks at him. And goes, hang on, this guy. He's interested in this stuff. He's getting really excited about the stuff that I do. Yeah. I can show him things, and next thing you know, Malcolm is outdoing Frank. <laughs> yeah, in exactly. His own workplace because. Frank took that interest. Yes. And this is the other thing. At no point did Frank actually turn around to Malcolm and instigate anything. No. This is a really key concept, I believe, because it's... If Frank had pushed this stuff onto Malcolm, then what we'd have is a very manipulative tale. Yes, and Judith accuses Frank of, of it. it. And Absolutely. Frank is in the right yeah. to say, no, I didn't. No, this is all his doing. This is yeah. his doing. And this is the thing. I think if we take out the crime stuff, let's right. see, because that's just for the comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the me. It's sort of the payoff for us, that's isn't it? It's the yeah. payoff. But if you put that with anything else, it is the story of Someone who didn't understand this, uh, didn't understand Malcolm. Yeah. Stopping for a moment, having a look. Let's say as a scientist and Malcolm was creating experiments. It is society going from you are worthless, you are annoying, you're a moron to going, hang on, let's have a look. Oh, wow, you're good at this. Let's encourage this. If this had been anything else, it would have been a moralistic, uplifting. Yes. Because it's crime, you do have a little bit of that sort of... You can have more fun with it <laughs> a and a bit fun, more, yeah. More... Yeah, and you know what, Phil? You've actually hit the nail on the head because Frank really only pays attention to Malcolm once Malcolm proves his worth. Yes. So Malcolm shows Frank this car that he's built. <laughs> and Frank's like, okay. And look, Frank's entertaining him. He's like, yep, yep sure, what have you got to show me? He's yep. like, oh, what is with this vehicle? And then out of the blue, really? Yeah. I mean, we as an audience can see little hints coming mm-hmm. up. Frank is oblivious because, mm-hmm. again, he doesn't pay any attention to Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He dismisses him. And then Malcolm says, it's a getaway car. <laughs> They take it on the road. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're having this little banter and stuff. And, you know, Frank's the cynic that he is. I mean, he's had a hard life. Yeah, yeah. More on that later, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it then happens. Mm-hmm. It is the iconic moment of the film when Malcolm says to him, Open the glove box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, I knew it was coming because I'd seen the film before and you reacted beautifully to it. So, I'm going to just be quiet about it and just prompt you with the question. As somebody who had fresh eyes, who hadn't seen this clip before no, at all? No. Your reaction to Malcolm's split car. It was so good. Yeah. It was beautiful because it's... It is, you see the, 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 the excitement in Malcolm <laughs> and it is this childlike yeah. excitement. It is this, 
yeah, essentially, for those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about, he opens up the glove box, there's a handlebar, essentially. Yeah. Malcolm flips a few switches or whatever, and the car splits in twain. They become motorbikes. Yes. It is so good. And then just the reaction, the police are chasing them, losing it. Which, mind you, the police had no interest in them whatsoever (laughs) until this car splits in half. So Frank's got some blame and uh because Frank's obviously a bit nervous. Paranoid. Yeah, that Frank having you know he's been just a nicked pe- some money or something. Yeah, yeah, he's stolen some money from a bank. I mean, and he's got a history of petty yeah, theft, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we've learned. And so when he sees a cop car behind him, he just gets nervous. Yeah, Malcolm doesn't have a concept of it. Malcolm's probably excited. Yeah, that um, Frank gets- says it can't go any faster. He's like, oh, let me show yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> So good. Yeah, it is beautiful. beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And you know what I like about it? Because one could argue that gag could have been reserved for the end. Yeah. As the the climactic gag. Yep. But what's beautiful about it is it's done sort of at the midway point. Mm -hmm. Because this is when Frank's really on board with Malcolm. It's the catalyst. It is. It is pushing. It's there. It cements a relationship, I think. Yeah. And... The car does make a reappearance at the end yeah. for the big heist at the end, but not in the way that you would expect. No, that's so it. I love it that it's a gag that you go, ooh, that would have been a great climax to the film. Yep. No. We're going to show you yep. for the sake of showing you. So really, you then believe everything else that happens. Yeah. Because the the gags, if you will, the inventions, yes. might not be on as a bigger scale as a split car, but you could argue we're probably more absurd. Yeah. So you have to believe it in this build-up. That's it. But it's used. Again, we see it. We're familiar with it. It tries to fake us out a little bit by thinking yep. Frank and Malcolm are in it. Uh, another gag yep. reveal. It is just done so beautifully. So good. So good. Yeah. And I think one of the big differences, I was talking about sort of this show versus maybe newer shows. Yeah. One of the big differences is if you think back to Black Balloon... Yeah. That we had this build-up and and the character was sort of showing some promise of sort of learning a little bit and yeah. the family and it's going nice and the, uh, the, 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 main, the brother had, you know, a girlfriend. And, yeah. But then it hit the trauma. Yes. Then it hit the down, it hit the... Which most movies do, as we know. Yeah. But nothing wrong with that. But the point is, this movie didn't have that. It takes you in a totally... Different, different direction yeah. and when it was made in 86 the average person on the street mm. did not know Asperger's no did not n- yeah did not know autism mm-hmm. this is bringing a character and again the filmmaker the screenwriter purposely never give Malcolm's condition a name mm. he's got characteristics in the way he mm-hmm. speaks in the way he interacts the way he walks, the way he will ramble about things mm. that he's very knowledgeable about, how he spends his time, all of these things. They're given indications, but without naming it. Mm. Maybe because the name doesn't matter. That's it, that's it. The film is not called Autism. It's not no. called Asperger's. It's called Malcolm. Malcolm. It's that's about it. this character who lives in our community, has every right to live in our community. And when you don't make him a part of the community, he turns to a life of crime. Exactly. <laughs> Shame on you, people. No, but, but that's, yeah. that's, that's sort of it. It's, <laughs> and it's just beautiful like that. Yeah. I do wonder back then mm. how many people... Because as soon as I started seeing the character, I went, oh, okay, autism. Yeah, you, you asked um, pretty I much mean, a minute into it. That's it. I mean, for, for full clarity, and again, you would know this if you'd listened to our previous podcast, I suffer ADHD. It's uh, on the autistic spectrum. I sort of understood a lot of the stuff this guy's going through. Mm. And that's, again, why I think I love how they've done this differently. It's yeah. not a, it's not a oh, poor him tale. No. It's a, just a fun tale that he happens to have. Yeah. But I really want to know how it would have been perceived back then. Yeah. Because you're right. Not many people knew about it. A lot of people were still being put into asylums or um, institutions back then. I think... By '86, uh, they were st- they were mostly dismantled, but they're still being put into institutions. Well, you know, the hospitals, etc. You know, the '60s and '70s, which quite notorious mm-hmm. in Australia for our treatment of people who mm-hmm. were different. Yep, yep. It wasn't that far back. Was no, it? it wasn't it. that that's too exactly. long earlier. But I think with this, you know, we can't really say how the average person responded to it. But look, 
it got critical praise. Mm. Audiences loved it. Mm. It was a huge box office hit. Mm-hmm. Um, moments of this film are iconic. It has endured for those who love and follow Australian <laughs> cinema for a reason. But again, it does so because the film is not about Malcolm's condition. Mm. His condition gives him certain characteristics which never hinder him. Yes. We could say, and it could be argued, well, of course they hinder him because he loses his job. Rah, rah. Like, all this stuff. That's just petty stuff. That's just setting it up. That's it. That's, you know, that's just starting us out mm. so he can really grow. That's it. And this is where I think the film is interesting because we have Frank, who is a petty thief, has just come out of prison. We have his girlfriend, Judith, mm-hmm. who, who holds a, oh, a job. Yeah, she holds a job. <laughs> but, you know, essentially it's, it's, you know, it's a waitressing job. It's a, yeah. it's a dead end job, but it's a job nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, she's brassy. She's proud of it. She's, yeah, she's proud. She's employed. She's brassy. She's ballsy. She's tough. Mm. Frank is quite aggressive to her in some moments. It does not phase her. It'll yeah. upset her, yeah. yes, but she holds her own against him. Mm. So we've got three outcasts. Mm-hmm. We have somebody who has a behavioral and a developmental disability in Malcolm. Mm-hmm. We have Frank, who is from a low socioeconomic background, whose parents were not in the picture <laughs> for reasons. Uh, and we're chuckling because of what happens to Frank's father. <laughs> so bad. So over the top. Oh it, my goodness. It is, it is pretty crazy. So for those who may not have seen Malcolm... Which... Side note, we won't say exactly what it was, Yeah, but ironically, what we were just saying before, (laughs) (laughs) it fits in perfectly with the timeline. Absolutely, (laughs) yes, yeah. So uh, Frank's father interacts with somebody from a mental asylum Mm -hmm. and meets a demise. And at first you probably think, well, this is a really strange story, but the payoff is just absolutely (laughs) gold gold when Malcolm asks Frank about it. But Frank's got a bit of a tragic background. He's Mm. been in and out of prison. Mm -hmm. He is, you know, rough and defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Still out of prison and going back to crime. It's like one of the first things he does. Again, we've got Judith, who doesn't have a good relationship with her mother. She acknowledges. Mm -hmm. She's wanting to love. And I think Mm. that's why she connects with Malcolm a lot, to look after him. It's not to take advantage of him. It's not, like you said before, Phil, it's not like to be manipulative or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. So we have these three people who probably don't really belong Mm -hmm. in mainstream society. Not because, really, they've done anything wrong per se. Mm. You know, we could argue Frank's a little bit different in that. But the circumstances are their circumstances. And have they been embraced by the broader community? No. The people in their smaller community, I love the way that the neighbours and everyone in Malcolm Street like him and Mm -hmm. Malcolm goes to jump on a tram with something and, you know, the conductor is like, nobody no. sees it's Malcolm. He goes, oh, it's you, Malcolm. It's a former work colleague. <laughs> yeah. So Malcolm's obviously liked and, and yeah. by the people who know him. But we've got these three outcasts. Philip, is it an unconventional friendship amongst <laughs> the three or is it inevitable? What do you think? Ooh, I think it's unconventionally inevitable. Yes. Yeah, but, it, it, but it really is because, again... It's beautifully inevitable almost. That's it, that's <laughs> yeah. it. It's unconventional because of who they are and under their I feel under their own steam yeah never would have if Malcolm was randomly at the pub one day Judith and Frank would never have approached him yes and we know that Malcolm would not have approached them and we know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's inevitable in the sense that once Mrs. T puts the ad in it just it was going to happen yeah it, it, the, the wheels are in motion that's it aren't they and they don't go where you think they will no. go. What I like about it is the film is paced in a really interesting way because it wants to take the time for you to know these characters, to know their backstories, mm. to know how they interact with one another and others as well, mm. besides each other, within the home, outside of the home. One could argue, well, are there many surprises in this film because we see bits and pieces? I still say yes. And is a surprise mm. that important? Probably not. <laughs> we can see Malcolm measuring the, the drain. <laughs> we can see him going shopping. You might have a clue of what he's doing, yeah. but I think it never pans out the way you think it's going That's to. It. That's it. Um, and Malcolm himself is someone who is beautifully full of surprises. Mm. 
it's just the way he's portrayed and plays out. The way these three characters interact, I think, is gorgeous. Yeah. And I think even with that, like that particular scene you're talking about, mm. the pacing of it is of such, I feel, and maybe I'd think differently if I saw it again. Possibly. But I'd forgotten. Like, they, they show this thing of him measuring the, the drain. Yes. And then they have a lot of stuff in between. Yes. So that I'd forgotten they'd done the drain until I saw the payoff. Yes. At which point I go, ah! Yeah. That, yeah. It's clever, isn't it's it? It's very clever. It is done really well. It doesn't need to rush through things. Mm. Again, because it cares about planting all these little seeds, mm. um, you know, doing these little signposts of what's going to come. When it all comes together, it makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, the whole thing is that, yes, we need to see... Malcolm driving around his makeshift little tram around the city for him to get fired. Mm. But that's not the only reason yeah. why that scene is shown. There's the payoff, the payoff at, at the end. end. Yeah, exactly. It's so beautifully oh, done. And just things like, just going back to character just for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I love how they stuck very true to the character and to almost the character of his autism yeah. Asperger's whilst not fully acknowledging it. Yeah. Because... There's things like he's turned to this life of crime, but Frank says he's not in it for the money or no. the. He's just in it because of this childlike it's excitement. A it's, it's a, a fun game. game. Yeah, he loves you know, to build he, things. He they lose. He, he's doing. He's got money on the back of a remote control thing, and they lose it. Yes. And Frank says, "Oh, you lost the money." Yeah. Uh, but uh, Malcolm's instant reaction is. Well, there's next time. Yeah, exactly. You can get it again. Yeah. Not, you know, oh no, lost the money, damn, I did it. I failed. It was, for him, it's just a game where... Yeah. I can do better. New, I can do better. There's a new factor in this. And a new challenge. A new challenge. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And you're right. You can see his brain working. That's it. I now have something else to overcome. That's this it. is how we do it. He loves the thrill of it. That's it. And we know this about Malcolm. I mean, he's got his cockatoo. Mm. You know... The cocky Arnold is not just in a cage, mm. but he's on this mechanism that allows him to be caged up, but still in a tree, so That's it's close it. to a natural environment. Mm. Spins around the backyard in circles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that has tracks. Yes. Malcolm is a happy man. That's it. Um, yeah, it's and, beautiful. And it's, yeah, it's really nice to see a movie like this. Because again, I'll go back to something like Black Balloon yeah. or I Am Sam. Yeah. Which are very much about the conditions. The conditions, yes. and not that that's a bad thing. Not that it's, but it's no, a no, different no, it's film a different altogether. Thing, yeah. Thing. But what I want to say is, it's for me refreshing and ironically refreshing, considering this came out beforehand. Yeah. To see something where we're not treated to a moron. Yeah, exactly. We're not treated to brain dead. We're not no. treated to even in I Am Sam, where he obviously has cognitive. Uh, ability, yeah. he is treated as if he can't do anything without mm. his daughter doing it for him. Yeah, this is a person that yes doesn't function with the basics of the world, but he's found people to do that bit for him. Let him focus on the bit he's good at. Yes, and <laughs> which and is train robbery. No, you're right. <laughs> it's right. In, in a different sense, train robbery. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the thing is, he's been living by himself. For a while. Yeah. Um, as is acknowledged, his mother mm. has passed recently, but mm-hmm. it's been at least a few a months. Yeah, yeah. At least the previous year. And yeah, you've got Mrs. T at the milk bar who, you know, is giving him milk and, <laughs> and newspapers and things like that. But once he's loses his job, she's like, well, you can't pay me anymore. Mm. So no. So mm. she's helping him grow. And then he takes on his advice about getting someone to live with him. Yes, mm. she helps him write the checklist and things like that. I love that Malcolm doesn't really know how to deliver the checklist because yeah. he just rattles off questions. Yeah. doesn't even care about the answers. He doesn't care about the answers. And how beautiful is that when he asks Judith, do you yeah. want to be a boarder too? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Right. As soon as he stands up, you know what he's doing. Yeah, that's it. It's just beautiful. And I love that you sort of see Frank is amused by it yeah, as well. It's like, it. oh, you suffered too. <laughs> 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 like, it's, it's gorgeous. These characters, yes have an unconventional friendship but it works for them they are played brilliantly amazingly which begs the question Mm. would this have worked anywhere else in the world i don't know because Mm. i think this is it's a very australian sense of humor it's beautiful one thing that i love about this is it showcases melbourne yes the trams are so iconic in Melbourne. It showcases an empty Melbourne. It showcases an empty <laughs> Melbourne. Early in the morning, you've got only a few people out and about. Mm. 
I love that it's grey. Oh, <laughs> I just no, love no. that's that's Melbourne that's winter. Melbourne. <laughs> this yeah. is this is our beautiful yeah, city. That's it. I love. I mean, there aren't a lot of wide shots of the city or anything, but you, for those of us who live in Melbourne, mm-hmm. there are certain bits and pieces that yep. you, that you get. You, you, know. you recognize the bridge. You know where you are. You know those steps. I've probably you know passed underpass. that house a couple of times. You know. It's... Yeah, unfortunately, not anymore. It's no oh, longer. No, 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 it unfortunately no longer exists. But you see those sort of houses everywhere. Oh, absolutely. I look at them. I go, yeah, they're small, but I go, there'd be a bugger to clean. There's just <laughs> so much ornate. Even just the, like the veranda. When, if you see the house we're talking about, yeah. they've got the veranda and it's got those little ornate bits on the roof. Yeah, it's beautiful. They would be shocking to clean. Yeah. They're like a 1920s to 30s house, I think. Yeah, so the actual like Malcolm's house and mm. the exteriors were filmed in Collingwood. Ah, yeah, nice. so yeah. that house is not no longer in existence, as yeah, I said. It's now apartments because yeah. that's what we do progress. in Melbourne. <laughs> yes, progress, indeed. Um, so it was filmed in, in that area. And again, it, yeah, it just showcases Melbourne so beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, you know, it's not a story about the city, but just having the tram network as, I guess, a centerpiece. Yeah, just really beautiful. Even if you've never caught a tram in your life, no. and it's possible to do living in Melbourne because oh, yeah. the city is so beautifully designed. You just it's walk a everywhere. Grid system. Yeah, it, <laughs> it works. Uh, you know, look, and I myself don't catch trams often. If mm. I'm going from one end of the city to the other, I should just prefer to walk. Yeah, because I love walking yeah. in the city. But you know the trams. You know the trams. Yeah. You, you know the, the beautiful sounds of yeah. of the trams and it's just gorgeous. So mm. you're right. I don't think a story like this could be told anywhere else. else. And if it did, it couldn't be told the same way. Mm. There is that beautiful dry sense of Australian humour through it. Yeah. It is dark. It is laugh out loud. Yeah. You go quiet because you're taking it in. Yeah. You're just... It's just, it's just beautiful. Most it is certainly. exquisitely written and put together it's yeah it's it's a cult classic for a reason and it's enduring but philip your final thoughts <laughs> on malcolm and a score out of five so i definitely love this film i didn't know what i was getting into and coming into it i did watch it with a lot of trepidation which it was purely naturally because i thought because because i've seen those other films yeah i've seen films where it's so beautiful everything's going so good and then the the drop. Yes. The, everything goes to, to hell and a yeah. handbasket. Everything goes horrible. Mm. I really was worried that was going to happen. <laughs> it, but it doesn't. Yes. Um, it's such a beautiful ending. The story itself is fantastic, especially for the era. I cannot get over how this film, which I would expect to see in a independent theatre these days was made in the uh, mid-80s. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Five out of five stars. Oh, beautiful. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Philip, because it's such an exquisite film for me Mm. as well. It was directed by Nadia Tass, who is just a wonderful filmmaker and just does not have a filmography long enough, in my opinion. (laughs) Malcolm obviously gave her attention, and rightly so. Mm. Another great Australian film that she had made was called The Big Steel in 1990. That may come again along the tracks mm, for us. That. Yeah, it's a great film. I'm not, I will flag not as great as Malcolm, yeah, yeah. but this is such a hard film to top, isn't it? It is beautifully done. I love the performances. Colin Friels as Malcolm is just absolutely gorgeous. I would be a very happy man if I had Malcolm <laughs> in my life to bounce off. I'd go to sleep listening to him ramble on about trams, but that's perfectly okay. John Hargraves is beautiful as Frank because Frank sometimes has to be the bad guy. Yep. Has to be a bit antagonistic, but he's got that wonderful complexity. And Lindy Davies as Judith is just... <laughs> I love that a working class woman is portrayed in this way. She is so beautifully written. She is gutsy. She is vulnerable. She needs love and affection and she gives it to, but she can stand on her own. There's a lot of things to love about Malcolm. I love that it is a very Melbourne film. I love the Australian sense of humour, the ingenuity of it all, even the bank robberies. They're slow-paced, if you will, based Mm. on how we expect bank robberies to go, but it is this beautifully, carefully constructed, methodical manner. Why? Because that's how Malcolm thinks. Yeah. Everything is in a certain way. Yeah. 
I'm like you, Phil. I absolutely adore this film. Five out of five from me as well. It is an absolute classic. Anyone who loves Australian cinema needs to watch this, needs to own it, (laughs) (laughs) and needs to share it. It is a film that will not be forgotten and should never be. So, Philip, I'm curious. What do you have in store for us next time? Well, I thought I'd bring a film that is very close to me, close to my heart, it's actually the film that got me into uh, the idea of reenacting. Ooh. Yes. And it is a film starring Michael Caine <laughs> called Zulu. Oh, wow. Okay, so I've heard of Zulu before, but I've never seen it. Yes, so no. this should be exciting. A really, really good film. Very uh, well received at the time. Oh, fantastic. Yes, well, we'll see if it's still well received <laughs> by us. Really looking forward to that. But until then... I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. <laughs> Please shut up, Bill. <laughs> going in the naughty corner. <laughs> and scene. Blooper reel. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Whoa. I'm a Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting and I haven't opened up the thing yet. <laughs> Sorry. Start all again. Sorry, man. Need the script. That's okay. Yeah. G'day. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. Whoa. I'm a Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. <laughs> That's right, Philip. And what have you been watching since our last podcast? I have been watching a series called, and I'm trying to remember the name, Pleasant View. Okay. Very old Pleasant View or, yes, Pleasant View. Very old, uh, uh, like 90s. Don't shake your head at me. <laughs> oh, Philip. Very 90s. That beautiful memory of yours. <laughs> <laughs> it, essentially, it's about um, a dystopian uh, past, you know, like a TV show, yeah, sort of thing, all in black and white. And as soon as these two kids from modern times come in, um, they destroy the whole uh, system. Okay. Um, basically, yeah, it's based around the sort of 1950s. This uh, uh, idealized view of the white ni- white 1950s America. Right. And so these two kids with their progressive 90s views um, come in and essentially destroy the whole place episode at a time because they're sort of against everything that um these people believe in oh okay it sounds similar. i haven't gotten through the whole series yet so yeah no it sounds similar to a, a film called pleasantville so that's what i was thinking of when you were talking might be it yes, <laughs> shut up can we just cut and start yeah. all over again because when you've gone pleasant for you i've just gone does he mean Pleasantville? And I'm Googling Pleasant View TV series. Pleasantville, yeah. like nothing. Are you sure it's a TV series? Well, I've watched more than one episode. Pleasantville, Netflix. No, um, it's not on Netflix. I've been watching it on YouTube. Oh, okay. And it's Pleasant View. No, it might be Ville. <laughs> I know there's a movie of it. I know that, but there's yeah. a series I've been watching. Pleasantville. Because it's based on the movie. YouTube, okay. Pleasant View. You could be right, but it's just, you seem so... Um, All over the place? Pleasant View Realty is a locally family owned operated company proudly boasts non corporate like I get, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry for I'm getting nothing. No, that's alright. Yeah, okay. Pleasant I get Pleasant View from The Sims. And no, I said it. not I said I've got the name wrong. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's maybe talk about it something that you yeah, have seen. That's alright. <laughs> not something that you've made up. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I got the name wrong. <laughs> Professor Google does not know what Professor you're Google. talking yeah, about. <laughs> it's too hot. It's just really bad. <laughs> this is why we you're only do so these once mean a month. To me. You're so mean <laughs> to me. I have to edit this. Need I remind you? Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> yeah. Enough. Okay, what have I been watching other than that? I don't know. Can you remember? I haven't been watching The Nanny, Will and Grace. Oh, also, yeah, classics. Yeah. Okay, talk about those. Okay. Wayne. Yes, Philip. <laughs> Sorry. Let's start that again. So, that all aside, <laughs> what are we watching today? We've watched it already. Sorry. <laughs> Written and directed. Shit, let me do that again. Mm-hmm. 
Written by husband and wife. No, that's not true. So, Philip, I'm curious. What do you have in store for us next time? Well, the problem is, Wayne, I'm curious too. So, let's pause here for a moment. I'm going to hit you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, we definitely haven't done Zulu. Yeah, we've only, no, we've only done like about 16 films, so I remember them now. Okay, cool. You want to do Zulu? Yep. Okay, so I can't give a surprise reaction. <laughs> I'll lead you in. Mm-hmm. So, Philip, I'm curious. What do you have in store for us next time? Well, I am going to bring along one of my all-time favourite films. Ooh, so, can't imagine when, what it is. When you... <laughs> you are such a little bitch. You are such a little... You're only making more work for yourself. You're only making more work for yourself. Future Wayne, this is your problem. <laughs> Sorry, we'll start again. <clears throat> I'll be nice. Yeah. So, Philip, what do you have in store for us next time? I have one of my all-time favourite films. <laughs> this film was one of the first that actually got me interested in the idea of reenacting. Oh, wow, okay. Mm. And it is a film starring Michael Caine <laughs> called Zulu. Ooh, I've heard of Zulu, but I've yes. never seen it before, so yeah. I'm interested. Absolutely amazing film as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. when you decide to uh, tear it down, you know, you're <laughs> really tearing down much out. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it going to... I don't know much about this film, Bill. Is it going to give me reason to tear it down? <laughs> no, it shouldn't. It was it, actually really, really well uh, received. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Well, I actually look forward to seeing that film because, you know, if you're passionate about a film, I love the opportunity to tear it down. (laughs) Or even more so, love it with you. Yes, yes, hopefully. (laughs) So, I've been Wayne Stellini. I've been a film hunting. And you've just experienced Fred Fred Watch. Watch. Cue music. That was shit out. It was terrible. (laughs) On that note, I've been Wayne Stellini. I've been a film hunting. And And you've you've just just experienced Fred Fred Watch. Oh, I am key music. You are. <laughs> One more time. Let's, can I just make sure we're recording? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and do you want to actually want to go back to um, introducing the thing? Because I won't turn around and say for you to tear it down. That was a bit harsh. <laughs> I don't mind. You know, I can do it again if you want. Yeah, one more time. Okay, well. cool. Give you an option. Give you an option. <laughs> okay. So, Philip, I'm curious. What do you have in store for us next time? Well, I thought I'd bring along a film that... Oh, one more time. Deleted scene. And how about yourself, Wayne? Well, I've also quickly binge-watched a TV series. It was only a four-parter, and that was the Ted Bundy tapes. The Netflix series, Conversations with the Killer. And it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. I love true crime. And Ted Bundy is one of the more interesting serial killers. Talk about somebody else who has enduring appeal (laughs) for all the wrong reasons. But I think if you are fascinated by how the criminal mind works, the personalities, the tactics the psychology of it, this series does it really well without being gratuitous. Because yeah. when you've got somebody who has a lot of murders under his belt, which unfortunately mm. Bundy does, you can easily go down a path of, ooh, let's talk about all the gory details and so forth. Yeah. This series is not like that at ah, all. Good, good. Yeah, so I have to say I found it quite engrossing, riveting, and actually scary. Because human beings are human beings. Most certainly. Yeah. If I can go on a quick tangent with that. Yeah, that's unlike you, but go for it. Oh, no, of course. Uh, There's, well, it's this idea, I was talking to Kirsten about this. Yeah. um, And I think I might have mentioned it to you a couple of times. This idea that historical and documentary style films, I believe, have a bit of a a duty of care. Yeah, there's a responsibility if you're telling a a true story. That's it, that's it. Mm. And... uh, this is different to the conversation you and I were having, Wayne, because we were talking actually about like old history, yeah. uh, something like telling the story of Braveheart as uh, this story that has nothing to do with the historical fact, versus um, you know with uh, Master and Commander, which they tell this old story and it's so super accurate, yeah, uh, and yet still portrays an awesome story, yeah. Um, but it's not quite that for this for my thing here. This is where I want to almost say. I find these sort of, especially ones about murderers, serial mm. killers, uh, anything to do with any uh, tragedy, yeah, very dangerous. Yeah, the set and it's for the same reason as why a lot of uh, independent news outlets these days won't show the mugshot or the face of a school shooter, for example, right? Because they don't want copycats. Yeah, and the thing is, every time a major 
uh, cinema show comes out about a serial killer, or even if it's a fictional one, right? you get a spike in these copycat... We, uh, well, there's definitely a spike in interest. I mean, I guess you can't always, you, you can never really control how people are going to react to things. Mm. Uh, what I can say about the Ted Bundy tapes in it is that it at least does not glorify him. It does mm. discuss his appeal because he was essentially the first serial killer in America, the first sort of criminal to have that title yeah. attached to him. So it was new. It was interesting in that way. Also, he is an attractive or was an yes. attractive man. And that's interesting to analyze and look at females being really compelled to want to sit next to him in court mm. or just behind him. I think there's a lot of layers. Mm. And this documentary, again, it's called The Ted Bundy Tapes because you hear him speak about these crimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's fascinating about it is the journalist, who is not interested in Bundy as a person, mm. you know, thinks he's vile, as he should, but the manner in which he gets Ted to talk about his crimes. So Ted does not want to talk about them, does yeah. not want to confess to them. Yeah. So he plays on his ego. The yeah, journalist then yeah. says, well... What sort of person would commit these crimes? So most of these tapes, Ted is talking about them, about what he's doing in the third person, mm. and as hypotheticals. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I did it. <laughs> yes, kind of like that. Um, the person would do this. Yes. The person would have done this. Yes. Uh, so I find that really interesting. Yeah, I'd definitely like to see that. I suppose mm. Kirsten and I were talking about it more in regards to the movie that's coming up. Um, yeah, so the one starring Zac Efron. Yes, because there is a debate to be had that are they glorifying it? Um, because again, even if you show bad things that people do, even if you show the, you know, because even in the trailer, there's this whole thing, he's glamorous, he's uh, charismatic, charismatic um, which is something he's famous for. Mm. They also show him, you know, the snippets of him killing people and stuff yes. like that. So they're obviously going to show that, but people have this really fascinating way that they use their memories where they'll quite often remember the glamour mm. they'll take it that little snippet they won't take if it's not done right and again we haven't seen it so no. i can't review it i can't say one way or the other but it's really fascinating this sort of stuff to me what people actually take from it well i think because with stories like this one you're so caught up in the sensationalism mm. of it it's easy to forget that for this story to occur, a lot of innocent, mm-hmm. young human beings had to die. Exactly. For it to be what it is. Otherwise, and this sounds very cynical, but I'm sure it is true, mm. we would not care. No, and that's very true too. He would not have endured in popular culture if, by a Western society standards, mm. he was not attractive. Yeah. Like, it's all these factors, so you're absolutely right, Philip. Mm. It's, there's danger in it. I mean, for me, a brilliant example, historically, is Stalin. Yes. Yes, different context, but it's still the same. You say Stalin, and all people remember is, oh, yeah, uh, they feel is the father of uh, communism in Russia, the Soviet Party, and he beat Hitler in the... Uh, Second World War. No one remembers his atrocities unless you start to really dig. Exactly. And Phil, you and I have both studied history. We've both yeah. studied this era. Yeah. You and I think more than, I guess, what yeah, maybe the average people. person yeah. might do. Mm-hmm. I would be like, yeah, there's a lot of blood on yeah. Stalin's hands. Yet he is seen by quite a few people as the alternative to what we have. <laughs> communism, we could try that. Oh. They forget the stuff. And that, I think, is what storytelling historical revisionism that's why you just got to be that little bit careful yes you just got to be that 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 uh, duty of care that's right anyway that all aside what are we reviewing today well philip today we're reviewing the cult classic comedy malcolm <laughs> 